Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Here's a definition of hope. Hope, being fully assured that God always has a solution for your situation and that he will show up at the perfect time to transform your impossibilities into a testimony of his salvation. What a lovely way to start. I'm all about hope, and I hope you have lots of it today as we get the week started. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and time with your family and food and everything else. We're certainly grateful to be uh, having another day of programming here at Faith Radio. We never take this for granted. We love you, our listeners. We love our jobs. We love everyone we get to talk to and the way in which we can proclaim the gospel every day. So let's get things started. Started. My first guest, of course, to get Mondays going is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. I believe he's on the line right now. Patrick, welcome. I am. I'm uh, welcome to you uh, because I, I was very hopeful you would make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Talk- Ro- Rosie had me. Rosie had me on the phone. She said, "You know, Bill's not here. You may have to do the opening." I was talking to uh, someone who works here, and I was in the the kitchen getting a tea and talking to her, and I thought. I better get to the studio, and then I got here, and I had 15 seconds to spare, so I probably shouldn't be announcing that if the manager was listening. But anyway, no. well, so, you know, here's the uh, the funny, and maybe I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if we've ever talked about this. I mean, on a personal level, I know we haven't talked about this on the air, but uh, you know, let's say you're you're desiring a career in radio. You know, let's say that that is your you know, something you want. And uh, you you hear some people uh, talking on the radio, and you say, "Oh, if I just if I just had my chance, if I just had my chance," <laughs> and then you get your chance, and you realize, "I'm not really cut out for this." <laughs> this is really so. You know, I, um, yeah, I yeah, I've been on with you forever, and we've been friends forever, and and I've done you know plenty of radio here, so I know if somebody says, "Here, quick, do the opening." Uh, my mind goes instantly blank, even though I'm at a, somewhat of a comfort level. Uh, no, 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 I will not be doing the opening. It's just, <laughs> no, Bill has to do the opening. Yeah, yeah, I pretty much you have know, to do that. Yeah, I don't hold any any designs that, uh, you know, if Bill would just step aside, I could take over. You know? no, not at all. <laughs> well, do not. Yeah. yeah. You've got beautiful weather in Des Moines, and I just want to announce once again, we are on the air, Faith Radio in Des Moines at 100.7 FM. And yeah, we're very yes. excited to be there. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago? So we 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 taped a, a show. We did uh, that was to air on a Monday, and uh, so I had to go pick up my kids from school, and uh, coincidentally, they're in the car uh, at you know four oh four or so <laughs> when the when the show starts. So I thought, well, won't this just uh, stun them? And I, I have us on, and uh, you know, I pick them up. And there's somebody playing uh, just before that. And then the music starts. I say, there it is. Clear as day, crystal clear. And I don't know, we're we're babbling for a good minute. And <laughs> it's like, well, well, kids, <laughs> these guys are OK. <laughs> I'm like, That's me. That's me. They go, oh, yeah, we know it's you. Oh, I, go, I thought that. 
You know, because I don't normally get to hear the segment because I, I'm in it. Right, right. right. And uh, uh, and I, the part of me is d- delighted that my kids don't think anything of it. You know, I wonder if, not to put us in that category, but, you know, I wonder if, you know, that like like Steve Martin is dropping his uh, his kid off at school and his kid's like, can you, you know, pick up some of my friends? And, and his son is in the back rolling his eyes saying, you know, my dad thinks he's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, after that you know, comment from your kids, I would recommend maybe not picking them up anymore. <laughs> you know what? That's uh, that's That'll the, teach the price to that. That's right. Yeah. Well, of course, now Christmas is coming up. Now, my kids did all the dishes at Thanksgiving, and it wasn't even at our house. Wow. They did them. At, we were your kids at, are good uh, in-laws. They are. It's they were amazing. You know, the uh, the people who lived there didn't lift a finger, but my kids did a lot of work. That's nice. Great. That's nice. So they know Christmas is coming up. And I'm not going to buy them everything on the list because I've got to save some money for me. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. today I was thinking about the power of our Christian faith all based on the resurrection of Jesus. And I was thinking over the long weekend about that morning of glory where he rose from the dead. And then I thought, boy, we sure don't talk very often about other people that have uh, were raised from the dead in Scripture. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about a handful of people in the Bible that have been raised from the dead. Are you up? So there's more than up? just the one. There's more yeah, than just well, the one. Uh, how many? But, yeah. Well, there's a bunch. Let's talk about okay. the widow of Zarephath's son. Uh, Elijah, the prophet, raised the widow of Zarephath's son from the dead. Okay? Now, Elijah was staying in an upper room at this woman's house, uh, during that very severe drought in the land. So while he was there, this boy becomes very sick and dies. So oh, in this okay. woman's grief, she brought the body of her now dead son to Elijah with the assumption that his presence in her household brought about his death. She blamed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so El- Elijah took the dead boy from her arms and went upstairs to the room where he was staying and prayed, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And he stretched out over the boy. He prayed three times, and the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Wow. Yeah. Well, now, I, I'm I'm hoping that that changed the mother's attitude just a wee tad. <laughs> I think that would. That would bring joy to the mother. And the mother I, I, who was filled yeah. with faith in the power of God through Elijah. She said, now yes. I know you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Nothing like a so, raising from the dead. Yeah, I don't think that's a person that's ever going to be wishy-washy no. about their faith. No. You know, you, yeah, I imagine once you see a resurrection, and it's, and it's your own kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you don't uh, forget I, that I think the first soon. thing. No, and I think the first thing she should say, please forgive me for blaming you. I, I was just in the heat of the moment. <laughs> right. All right, how about the Shunammite woman's son? The Shunammite woman's son. Okay, this is out of Second Kings, and now it's the prophet. Okay. Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha. Okay. And he raised the right. Shunammite woman's son from the dead. Now, he okay. also came in and stayed in Shunam in this upper room. Again, there's another the upper, upper room. Another upper room theory. <laughs> <laughs> Something is going on in those upper rooms. I don't know. So okay. one day, Elisha is at Mount Carmel, and the, yep. and this, the couple's young son died. So the boy or the woman carried the, the, the son 
this dead son up into Elisha's room and just laid it on his bed. And then without even telling her husband the news, she leaves for Carmel to find Elisha. And then when she found him, she pleaded with him to come to uh, Shunem, Shunem, and Elijah went. Um, he sent Gehazi uh, ahead of them with instructions to lay his staff on the boy's face. Okay. All right. Now, now, soon as Elisha and the Shunammite woman get back, he goes to the upper room, shuts the door, and prays. He again stretches out on top of the boy's body, and the body begins to warm. Elisha arose, walked about the room, and stretched out again over the boy's body. The boy sneezed seven times and awoke from death. Hence the origin of the phrase, God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Elisha then delivered the boy alive again to his very grateful mother. Well, you know, so you're, you're staying in the guest room upstairs the young son dies, and she puts him up in the room you're staying in, saying, I'll just leave him there for now. Yeah, and goes and looks for him. Wow. Doesn't even tell her husband. So she, to me, that says that she, I don't think she doubted for a moment mm. that he could make this happen. Yeah. It, it seems like she just had faith. It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to tell my husband because, you know, he had a hard day at work. He's got a million <laughs> things to think about. Yeah. And... I'll just take dead. care of this. Yeah, so I'll just go look for Elisha. I love this one, wow. too. The man that was raised out of Elisha's grave. This is an this unbelievable one. bothered one. me a little bit. Oh, yeah, this, it should. This, 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 second this would be again. frightening if you yeah. were there. Yeah. So here's another resurrection that occurred after Elisha's death. Um, men were burying another body in the general area, and, and the grave diggers saw a band of Moabite raiders approaching and rather than risk an encounter with the Moabites, they threw this guy's body that they were burying into Elisha's grave. And Scripture records that when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood on his feet. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'd see, that'll teach you to mess with the Moabite raiders. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's uh, uh, grave diggers are digging up a guy. They take oh, him, not, they toss him into Elijah's grave, and the man comes back to life. He, well, that's amazing. Yeah, they're digging a grave, throwing this guy in. He touches Elisha's bones and comes back to life. Now, amazing. if I'm this grave digger, wow. I'm I'm looking for new work the next day. Uh, yeah, I just it's uh, that's there's all. a lot of stress. Oh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, All right, uh, we'll, we'll do one more, uh, then take a break. Uh, let's go to okay. Nan's son, the widow of Nan's son. This is a very cool uh, resurrection because this is, the, I think, the first one that Jesus had performed. The Lord uh, okay. was approaching the town of uh, Nan, and he saw this funeral procession leaving the city, and in the, in the mm-hmm. coffin was a young man, the only son of this woman, this widow. So yeah. she's lost everything, and Jesus saw the procession, and his heart went out to the woman, and he said, don't cry. I'm thinking, first of all, I love Jesus that his heart goes out to the woman. He has empathy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he says, don't cry. He came close to this coffin. He touched it, and he spoke to the dead man. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. And obeying this order, the dead man sat up and began to talk. 
Wow. And then Jesus, no, I said, get up. I, I, I didn't say speak. I said, get up. <laughs> and then wow. the, Jesus turned this uh, funeral into your basic praise and worship service. Well, see, that would do it for me. Oh, yeah. 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 I could easily, you know, and you've already got the food there. So you say, you know what? We're going to enjoy this food now. We're going to. That's. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I love that. It's, but he said there are many instances of the heart going out. Oh, I know. Um, I know. Yeah. Let's take a, wow. we're going to hear another instance of his heart going out uh, when we get to Lazarus. He's coming up uh, in you know, in a, about one more minute after the break. We'll yeah. talk about Lazarus, but I want to go to Jairus' daughter first. Patrick Albanese is my guest as I get things started on this Monday. Hope you're having a good day. We'll be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every riddle for any individual in full or in pain. Walk-up song belongs to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from Iowa. We're talking about people who have been raised from the dead. We're always saving the best for last, and we're going to get there because uh, I'm going to yep. I'm going to paste this beautifully here, Patrick. Um, let's talk a little That's bit about what a true radio professional would do. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jairus's <laughs> daughter. This is a great one because this is where the woman shows up who touches the uh, the cloak of Jesus, and Jesus said, "Who touched me?" And he mm-hmm. addresses her all the while Jairus's daughter is dying of. A fever, and you think, why are you stopping to address this woman who's had a 12-year uh, ongoing issue when you've got a very prominent person like Jairus uh, with his daughter dying? So anyway, mm. he finally gets to her bedside, and he takes her by the hand and says, my child, get up. And her spirit returned at once. But when they got there, they were all crying, and, and the, Jesus said, you know, she's don't be afraid. She'll be healed. And they all were kind of crying and making it sound like he was nuts. Turns out he wasn't. Yeah. It's, they were like, you know, you're a little late on that. Had yeah. you come here an hour ago? I that, know. That, you know. And, and I, I always do, I do like those stories. Of course, Lazarus, as you're, I know you're going to get to him, is another one of those where quite some time has passed. And, but in, in God's economy, uh, we love that phrase. He's, what's time? Right. What's a what's a day? What's a couple days? What's what's a what's a year? If he showed up a year yeah. later, it's what a, does that mean to God? It means nothing. Yeah. For it's Jesus, just, it's as easy to raise someone from the dead as it is for him to uh, calm down a fever. Doesn't matter. Right. He'll do yeah. whatever he wants. I don't know. Some fevers are pretty tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. He can handle yeah. it though. All right. Let's get to Lazarus, yeah. one of the big ones. This is everyone knows yeah. he was raised from the dead. He was in the tomb for four days, and Jesus got there. And, of course, it has one of the shortest passages in Scripture, John eleven thirty five, where it said Jesus wept when he greeted uh, Mary and Martha. He had great compassion, even though he knew what he was mm-hmm. going to do. He, I think he stepped into their, their pain, which is a beautiful, mm-hmm. time, a beautiful moment. Yeah. Yeah, you would think, you know, if that were you or me, we'd walk in with a lot of confidence saying, hang on, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
Well, why why did Lazarus Lazarus uh, become one of the more famous resurrections? Why Lazarus? Is That's it just the, because it was four days after he died? Why is it that you know if you say to people, name someone raised from the dead, they always you know, go to Lazarus, don't they? They go right to Lazarus. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Paul Revere wasn't the first one to do the ride. The first guy was Israel Bissell, but that doesn't make a, cute, a cool little song, does it? It doesn't make a nice poem. So I'm wondering if Lazarus is just a cool name. Yeah, maybe it's a cool it. name. Yeah. I think yeah. because he was a friend of Jesus, too. Oh, okay. Jesus was very yeah. invested in his uh, friendship, of course, and Mary and Martha's. But I do think it's interesting. He is four days in the tomb, and we never hear about what happened in those four days. Where did Lazarus go? Yeah. Uh, now, neither well, of us can answer that question, so let's move on. No. And Lazarus wasn't speaking about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. All right. All yes, right. that's a good question. Here's one of my favorites, and this is when Jesus himself uh, was raised from the dead. And the Bible mentions uh, some resurrections took place that day. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. Those open tombs remained open until the third day. At that time, the bodies of many holy people were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Oh, boy. That makes me a little nervous, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he's back. <laughs> There's Uncle Leo. Yeah. Uncle Leo. I wonder yeah, if he he's going to ask for, yeah. yeah, if he's going to yeah. still ask me for those eight shekels I owe him. Yeah, with interest, because he's been gone quite some time. That could be a lot... <laughs> Wow. How I would, yeah, crazy would that uh, be? Uh, it makes sense when you think about, yes, it would be crazy. But, uh, you know, since uh, Jesus was appearing in various places, if you started seeing, you know, your dearly departed all over the place, that's an attention getter, don't you think? Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Tabitha, I'd... if you don't mind. Her Greek name was Dorcas. She was a, a believer who lived... I prefer Tabitha. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. A believer. She lived in the coastal city of Joppa, and her resurrection was performed by Peter. And Dor Dorcas was always known for always doing good and helping the poor. And when she died, the believers in Joppa were filled with sadness. What a beautiful, hmm. what a beautiful statement. Okay, where did they put the body? Well, they laid the body in an upper room. An upper room. Uh, there you they? go. Again, <laughs> the upper room. And they sent for Peter... And he was in a nearby town of uh, Lydda, and yeah. he came at once and met with the disciples, and he um, went up and prayed. And then turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened uh, her eyes, and, and seeing Peter, she sat up, and he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. I, this is, uh, so for the people that are in the presence of this, you know, I, I, does it take much more convincing? No, no. Because uh, you, you know how people often say, they'll say, you know, uh, a, a non-believer might say, you know, if Jesus were real, he would he would do these things for me. Uh, and, and, and I often say, I says, you know, uh, when, when Jesus was walking the earth, he did do things just like that. And some of the people that witnessed it still didn't want to believe in him. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's going to be the convincer for you or not, because it didn't necessarily convince people, but I think resurrecting someone from the dead, a loved one, yeah. would do it. News yeah. spread quickly. Many people believed mm -hmm. in the Lord as a result. That was in verse 42 of Acts chapter 9. This is one yeah. of my favorites, and this is uh, Eutychus, a uh, poor kid. He's a young man, um, mm -hmm. 
and he lived in Troas, and he was raised from the dead by Paul. Okay, now okay. the believers in Troas, they were gathered in, here we go again, the upper room. <laughs> An upper room. <laughs> upper room <laughs> to hear Paul speak. Now, Paul was taken off the next day, so he was kind of doing the marathon teaching, and in the audience was Eutychus, and he was sitting at the window, and he fell asleep listening to Paul speak, and he fell out of the window and fell three stories to his death. That's an Acts uh, 20, verse heard, 9. I had actually heard that Paul was a better speaker than that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So wow. Paul Paul goes down, throws himself on Eutychus, and puts his arm, arms around him, and he comes back to life. He goes back upstairs and has a meal with everyone else. You fall three stories, you'll be hungry too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So when the That's... when the meeting finally broke up at at daylight, the people you know they took Eutychus home alive, and they were incredibly comforted. And I would I would be too to see someone dead and then back to life. Well, and if you fell three stories, you'd have a yeah. I mean, to have some um, maybe healed bones as well. Yeah. Uh, or for all we know, he had a bad case of sciatica for the rest you, of his you days. You never but, know. You never course, know. That's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Of course, I've saved the best for last. Yes. As you know, I would. Who would that be? That would be Jesus. (laughs) Yes. Yes. His was a big deal. Yeah. That his death and resurrection is the focal point of Scripture. And and without without a doubt, the most important event in world history. Yes. Easily. Yeah. And of course, the resurrection of Jesus was um, different because all the other resurrections were kind of temporary because those who were raised to life died again. I mean, Lazarus Mm -hmm. died twice, right? Jesus rose and never again to die. Yeah, and you know, in each of the previous resurrections, somebody basically laid on the hands. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you would say that Jesus is sort of self-resurrected. But uh, no, it wasn't he the, was any, not nobody. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was the big guy laying the hands on. You might say, <laughs> that's why that one stuck. Yeah, right? yeah. That's. A, yeah, it did change the world when you think about it, because 2,000 years later, we still remark at it. Yeah, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was raised from the dead. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what an amazing thing. I tell you, this whole thing, you know, I, I, uh, I have a little studio down in my basement, and that's where I tend to do this show. Uh, but uh, this talk has made me uh, uh, hungry for an early dinner in an upper room of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Pray that nothing goes wrong up there. <laughs> yeah, it's that upper room where things kind of go, you know, that's that's where there's a lot of activity in Scripture. Yep. Things happen in the well, upper I'll be rooms. Well, yeah, I'll be eating some three-day-old dry turkey, so we shall see how my yeah. upper room experience yeah. goes. So that is, uh, in a in a nutshell, we've got Zarephath's son. We've got the Shunammite woman's son. We've got uh, the guy in Elisha's grave and the widow of yeah. Nahan's son. And Jairus' daughter, Lazarus of Bethany. Of course. And the various yeah. people that came out after Jesus resurrected, Tabitha, Eutychus, and Jesus. Lots of, uh, yeah, lots of proof that there's, uh, there's power when, when you, God intervenes. You got it. Patrick, thanks. Have a great rest of your day. Talk to you next week. Thanks, you too. Yep. Bye. Patrick Albanese has been my first guest to get things started. After a short break, we're going to do the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles is already in place, as is Rosie B., Be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Monday afternoon mix is going to happen in just a minute, but we're reading the Bible together. We're reading Luke. I don't know if you know that, but we'd love for you to join, be part of that reading program. It's going to start December 1st, and it is um, a free study guide. It's going to help you learn, and you can find out more about the Reading the Bible Together podcast at myfaithradio.com. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, did you just say like Bible reading? I did say Bible reading. Like getting into the word. Exactly. Oh, and it's really good. That I've is. had I've had a little advanced preview. Boy, is it good. And, and that, there's a lot of familiar voices that our listeners will know giving their commentaries as you go through each chapter. It's pretty cool. Is nice. Peter Kapsner gonna be one yes, of those voices? He is. Peter, dun, 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 dun. Nipster. Yeah. Jeff Redoran's going to do a little bit of it. It's I, did be good. I did two. I did two chapters. Yeah. Chapter I eight and, the 20, and chapter 22. Yeah. I believe I'm doing one too, but I'm putting it sweet. off as long as possible. Are you? Yeah. No. That'd be so sweet to hear it, man. No, no, no. I mean, I'm going to do it in December. You're going to do it in December? Yeah. yeah. Cool. I like the whole thing about the word, you know. It's, it's really neat. Back in the days at North Dakota State University, I remember one of the brothers that I knew in a fellowship of Christian athletes, a guy named Dana Patna. You know, we used to say, eat your bread or you'll be dead. The Bible is the bread of life and like you can only go so long without eating bread. And then the other one was, you know, praying was like breathing. So how long can you hold your breath? Mm-hmm. Not long. And Not so, long and so God wanted us to communicate that way. So I'm, that's super, super hype that you guys are doing Luke and there's beautiful verses as we get into the advent like I think Luke chapter two. Oh. oh yeah and i think there's like 600 people already signed up so you know not a small number no. there's going to be a lot of people reading it together with the discussion guide and watching the podcast it's fun think of it as a little bible study you're joining with 600 other people right yeah exactly why not, be why fun. not? i would say even more than that you know the other day in class um i teach it here at university of northwestern in our leadership for transformation with some incredible leaders. Um, we were talking about things and about the Word of God and getting ready to end class. And I said, hey, guys, you know, no strings attached. If I, if I left, you know, a chest here on the way out the door on this table with 25 grand in it, and I said, you know, you can take it. No strings attached. There's no kind of, you know, sleight of hand or anything. I'm like, would you take it? And everyone's like, well, yeah. And I said, I held up God's word. And I said, God has given us this incredible treasure. If there's anything that I want you guys to get from this class is to savor this treasure. And the wealth of God's word pays back way, 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 way more. Um, and it pays beyond um, even financial things. You know, First Peter uh, 1, uh, 21 says, you know, We've not been purchased by silver and gold, but we've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. And we learn about that in reading God's word. So nicely said, nicely said. You know, when we're thinking about our topic of today, giving to the needy, I was doing a little study on greed over the weekend and thinking that greed is not that I want uh, a huge home in Maui. Greed is when I want just a little bit more than what I have. That's greed. Yeah. That's not contentment. No, is that Rockefeller statement when someone said, you know, what would yeah. make you happy? You just said one more dollar. Yeah, just one more just dollar. one more. Yeah. But you're not, you're, you're, you can be greedy if you're, if you are not content and you're wanting more than what you have. I know that's an odd comment for me to make because there's a lot of people that are not making ends meet and I want to be super sensitive to that. Right. 
and you do want more. And I don't think that's greedy if you're just trying to get your needs met, right? I'm in over my skis right now. So they don't <laughs> make... There's no snow no, outside fine. either. I know. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, we, we're, we're called That's to... That's why I don't talk much. <laughs> you know, God has given us gifts, talents, and abilities, and he wants us to use them for his glory. And I think that's kind of the, the key thing here. It's, it's about God's glory. Because, for example, you know, in, in our passage that we're going to get in today, Jesus is going to say, you know, not uh, doing your works in front of man... Um, you know, to be seen because you get your reward. But earlier in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said to do your works, you know, in front of men and, and to be salt and light. You know, and it would almost seem like that's contradictory, like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? But wait a minute, what does he, he said? He says that your Father in heaven might be glorified. So, so Bill, it's back to what is our heart motive? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's going on in our heart? And that's kind of been... What we've been covering here in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, you say this, but I say, but I say unto you, it's more than that. You say, you know, you should not murder, but he gets to the heart. But I say, if you hate your brother in your heart. And so Jesus gets to that very sweet, sweet thing, that, that cool word. I still don't remember the gentleman who said it, but it was in an article that David French did of not just orthopraxy, right practice, orthodoxy, right doctrine, but orthocardia, right heart. Mm-hmm. You know, and the sweetness of that word, like mm-hmm. what is our heart's um, disposition? What is our heart's positioning uh, on those things? Well, and doesn't it come from so many different places? When you're when you're giving to the needy, you know, God is coming through us at all times, right? So he's taking, so you're, so even if you're on a tight budget, you know, and we've all been there and you give a little bit more than what you feel like your budget can withstand, you're, it's really an example of trust in him for the provision, for your provision. But when you're giving to the needy, it's also an example of his generosity to you given to somebody else. Like he's literally coming through you when you choose to give, especially in secret. And that's the beauty of it. I, I just feel like giving is, it's pregnant because you're also dealing, you're dealing with your own sin or your tight fist and you're opening it up for God. But then you're also advancing the kingdom through God's love by just showing up and giving. It's cool. Yeah. And that whole thing when we start giving to others, that, that is, it is when our selfishness kicks in. You know, we start thinking, ah, you know, I'm not sure I want this, but we're told to be imitators of Christ. And did Christ just mainly look out for himself? No. <laughs> That's the reason why we're currently on the radio at this moment having a conversation because Jesus went to the cross. And he, as we saw in chapter five, that you know, Jesus says the Father was rich in mercy, in mercy, you know, and then likewise, we're called to be, you know, rich in mercy with those around us. And this this is a perfect time of year for that. And mercy, not just financially, but mercy and patience with one another, uh, because God has been patient and long-suffering with us. Amen to that, David Miles. He's just coming out swinging today. He is. It's Monday, and David is swinging. And swinging. Yeah. Yeah. It's like baseball so, season. I know, but you know. It is for Byron Buxton. He just signed a hundred million dollar seven year contract. This is true. <clears throat> Ooh. But I don't want to get off topic. Well, and it's also knowing that some of the things when you hear that, um, I had the privilege one time in my undergrad of doing sports medicine and training athletes, and I was able to train uh, an NFL player, but also a baseball player, ML. MLB player. And it was really interesting um, just to, you know, hear him say, he's like, I'm very grateful for the gifting that I've had 
that I have and the things I get to do. He goes, but people will say, hey, this person, you know, signed $107 million. Well, you're thinking they're getting that. No. I mean, these individuals are an industry unto themselves. You know, so there's your taxes, and then you have an agent, then you have a publicist, and the guy said, then you have an accountant, and you have another accountant to watch the first accountant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to, to make sure those things. Uh, so so just sometimes our perception of what we, we think to be um, could be different than what it actually is. Yeah. So I keep my money in mayonnaise jars under the bed. Old school. Old school, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, getting into our passage today. (laughs) (laughs) And we should get into our passage today. And going back to it is that Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 opens up with Jesus saying, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Wow. Wow. You know what? When you were reading that, David, I just was thinking of how many times do we not as a society allow that to happen? How many red ribbon cutting ceremonies are there? How many names on stadiums and things like that are there? As a society, we really don't promote the giving behind the behind the screen, right? Behind yeah. the scenes. We, we really say, here, let's name this building after you and everything else. Wow. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, like... You know, that's where Jesus is getting to the heart of the issue of saying, you know, why are we giving? You know, is it is it merely to be seen by other people to get a reward from them? You know, when it says in there, when Jesus says, truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And uh, the word there uh, in, the, in the original was, was a word that was used for technical business and um, commercial word for receiving a payment in full. You know, so they would put it on the receipt of a of an account. So a pitching is the word. So, for example, one man would sign a receipt, and he said, "I've received a peco from you, the rent of the olive press, which you have hired." And so, you know, so it's the idea of like, "I've received this. It's I've made this transaction." And I think, you know, Jesus in the next couple of you know, beware, don't let your righteousness. There's three of them. One is dealing with the issue of almsgiving or giving, the second one, prayer, the third one, fasting. And, you know, Jesus is like saying, you know, what's your heart disposition before this? Because these were like the three great cardinal things in the Jewish faith. And actually, in all different religions of the world, they have this giving, you know, and prayer and, and fasting. And, you know, giving is how do we love those around us? Prayer is our relationship with God. And fasting is actually dealing with ourselves, you know, and also that part of denying ourselves. Um, but it, it's getting to what, what are we being merely transactional in the things that we do? There's so much to that. That's going to make, that's going to make me go to sleep tonight and just think about how many transactional giving things do we do and how many are just opened and you don't think about it. You just do it. You just execute it and you never think about it again. Is that what you're saying too, David, that you don't, you don't dwell on that. You've done that too. Yeah, that's later what what 
Jesus is getting at with the left hand and the right hand, kind mm-hmm. of in hyperbole, that literally because your right hand typically was most dominant, 85% of people are, you know, right hand, ambidextrous, dexti means right, uh, ambidextrous means both, mm-hmm. you know, so it's the idea that even not your left hand didn't know what your right hand was doing, which kind of seems strange, but it's almost saying that you don't even know what you're doing, not in an irresponsible way, but it's like you're not rehearsing in your mind and again and saying, oh, I'm so cool. I'm just like, oh, look what I did, you know, um, but it's more so, God, you've been so gracious and freely given to me that, that, we, that we do give. And scripture talks about that in several places. So we see in Deuteronomy, and I want to make sure I got to my... Um, well, Proverbs nineteen seventeen: the one who is gracious to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for his good deeds. You know, I heard a church planner say to me, you know, oftentimes people will say, you know, God blesses those who bless Israel, you know? And he said, yeah, but the Bible also says God blesses those who bless the poor. And he goes, and when's the last time you've heard people talk about that? Ooh, mic drop. I was like, got a point. <laughs> That's an excellent point. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, God is wanting us to have this heart and disposition uh, towards people. He says in Deuteronomy 15, 7 and 8, If there should be a poor man among your relatives in one of the cities of the land the Lord your God is about to give you, don't be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor relative. Instead, be sure to open your hand to him and lend him enough to lessen his need. You know, and, I, you know, it's so interesting because I think the human tendency to take care of those you love is there. But I'm pretty sure also that it's kind of, it, they kind of live, they're not mutually exclusive. The human tendency also to make judgment about giving and how they're going to spend the money and all those type of things is also there. So I think you have your your thumb on your spirit as you open your hand so that you are generously giving without judgment. And without strings attached and to just trust the Lord that whomever you're giving it to is going to work, you know, he's going to be working in their hearts and it's going to be a blessing. That's a difficult position sometimes. Well, if we want to take it a little bit, you know, even deeper on that of our part of, of, you know, judging, it's like, so what does the Lord think when he looks at us? When the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the world and all who live in it, he established upon the waters found upon the seas, Psalm 24, 1. You know, all the silver and gold is mine. All the cattle on a hill are, are mine. Your breath, you know, uh, it's the funny thing of the, the scientists who got with God and said, hey, God, we we pretty much have figured out a way to make man without you and you don't exist and we want to make that proof. And they said, really? God said, really, you do? And they said, yeah. So they scooped down and grabbed some dirt and God said, whoa, whoa, stop. They were like, what? He said, get your own dirt. And it's the reality that all of it comes from him. But the thing is, you know, um, God calls in Malachi, and as we go to break, he calls them to repent, you know, to turn back from the ways that they're going. And uh, when the people respond, they're like, you know, why do we have to repent? Like, we haven't done anything wrong. And God then goes to, um, how are you robbing me? And he says, you're robbing me in tithes and contributions. But God goes to the fact of our giving. Now, a lot of people use that verse wrongly because the verse really is that section that content is about repentance god is giving the people a call to repent and they're like we haven't done anything wrong what do you got and god says let's just kind of talk about your finances for the one who's given us everything 
We'll continue this conversation and the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. in just a minute. hear this music and yeah. david's in the house david's i like in the house. mondays i'm like i know garfield he didn't like mondays uh, he didn't like someone no. needs my hands on him <laughs> <laughs> it's just bro like mondays are you know the awesome good. It's the like good. The day after day after sunday and you can revel in god's you know goodness and what he's done yeah and things that you're learning and get to like marinate and chew upon you know his mercy and Amen. so you know, this passage that we're looking at um, in chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, I wanted to just make a note that uh, the esteemed uh, Dr. John R.W. Stott made. He said, there's so much teaching in the Old Testament on compassion for the poor. The Greek word for almsgiving in verse 2 means a deed of mercy or pity. Since our God is a merciful God, as Jesus has just emphasized when he said earlier, um, to be kind to the ungrateful and to the selfish, the idea is that his people must be kind and merciful too. And Jesus obviously expects his disciples to be um, generous givers, but goes on to say, generosity is not enough, however. Our Lord is concerned throughout this sermon with motivation, with the hidden thoughts of the heart, you know, and that that's one of the big things that he's looking at, the hidden hearts of the heart. And he says... Like when you look at the hand, it's not so much, you know, what you're you're doing with the hand, but what is the heart thinking while doing it? And he, he knows these three possibilities that I'd, I'd like to, that we could ponder on. One, it's seeking the praise of men. Two, we preserve our anonymity, but we are quietly congratulating ourselves. Or three, we are desirous of the approval of our divine father alone. Yeah, that's... A little convicting. Yeah, it is, and and I guess as as we're driving to remember that God's, I think as Hebrews says, the conviction of the Holy Spirit is meant to lead us to life. Mm-hmm. It's it's different than, oh, you know, your pond scum, shame, shame, bad, no, bad. No, no, no. You know, it's not. That's not what we're talking about, brothers and sisters. You know, it's kind of this beautiful thing that God lays before us and, and wanting our hearts to be to be right because trying to seek satisfaction or fulfillment from anything apart from the triune God leads in, in an emptiness because none of them are, you know, all that in a bag of chips and a field of potatoes and all of the galaxy enough to fill our deepest desires. So, yeah, it can be convicting, but it's a conviction meant to lead us to life. Why don't we think of it as a prompting towards greater holiness? Oh, I love that. I love the idea of greater holiness. We don't talk about personal holiness very often. Mm-mm. Well, but 
we don't. And it's really the holiness of God living, coming, breathing through us, right? That he just Mm -hmm. gives us his holiness. And he always invites us into things such as giving that purify that in us. Mm -hmm. And so to, to look at that, any, you know, any good physician, and Jesus is the great physician, you know, takes a look at what's what's happening, you know, in our heart and, and underneath and does diagnostic testing. You know, one of the things that that we'll we'll hear people say and they'll say, you know what, really don't like, you know, government because it's the role of the church to do this. You know, it's not the role of government to help people. Is what you'll hear people say to you, and it's it's the role of the church. Well, Michael Emerson and Christian Smith, um, authors, two really neat um, godly and Christian sociologists, uh, they wrote the book Divided by Faith, um, also United by Faith, um, but they, they did a study in a book called Passing the Plate, where they looked at giving uh, among the church, and they said, we're not doing this to shame the church, we're just trying to really look and see what this is. And what they found is that, on average, you know, not just Christians, because when they looked at it, about 226 million people said that they were Christian. They, they lowered it down to the people who were like, you know, Jesus is a very important part of my every single day life, and I depend on him. And they had like about 100 million people or so. And they found that in that group, about one and a half to three and a half percent giving, with the full 25% of people who give nothing to nobody, to no charity, nothing mm. at all. And the other 25% that do probably about $200 and less a year. And, you know, in that moment, it's like, wow. But then they do something really neat in the book because they take a look and they say, if we were to take this this group of very, very committed believers, and not even all of them, just part of them, and had them tithe, it came out to the tune of $46 billion. Oh, my stars. A year. <laughs> what? Okay. Wow. <laughs> And so then they add in another group that's not even fully tithing, like giving 5%. And then it came out to like $85.6 billion a year. And what's crazy in the book, guys, is they list out all the various things that could be done, whether people are a little bit more progressive in their thinking or more conservative. You know, think tanks, water issues, hungry, funding missionaries. I mean, like, it's it's ridiculous when you read this chapter and it really like brings you to tears because as they note the and this book is done uh 2008 and in 2008 they noted that of these committed christians in america in 2005 they had a collective income of more than two trillion dollars which is more the total GDP, gross domestic product, of every nation in the world except at most the six wealthiest, the United States, Japan, Germany, China, the United Kingdom, and France. So that's what the body of Christ, like committed body of Christ, has at their disposal to make ridiculous types of impact. You've got to leave us some brag time, Rosie and I, some brag time. Yes, brag on. Are we going to brag on about our faith listeners? Yes, we yes, are. Yes, we are. How did I know that? You go first, Rosie. I So seriously, it's, Bill, how long have I been here? Since January? Yeah. And so I've been able to watch two share events. Mm-hmm. And I've watched, have, have the blessing to watch Bill and Carmen and Susie and a host of others lead these share events with tears in their eyes as we're mm-hmm. seeing gifts come in that, Really, the sole purpose of the gift is to advance the gospel. I mean, that's why people are giving so generously, 
it's not for themselves. Nobody yeah. knows if they've given. We we maybe say a first name, but that's it. And it's purely just to advance the gospel in gratitude for what they've already received. And Bill, how many times have we wept uh, at gifts that come daily? Often. Yeah. Often, yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah, it's stunning, really. The the Faith Radio family listeners, they lead the way when it comes to generous giving. Yeah. They they are at the top of the pack. And it, and it's it's the little. I mean, like it really is the little that really that that adds up in so many different ways um that's so profound the mustard seed and so and and god did really small things he didn't show up in rome at caesar's palace he went to the he went put on flesh moved into the hood literally nazareth mm-hmm. to a little barn and the son of god was born there and lived in obscurity mm-hmm and in that little bit, God brought so much incredible good. Good stuff once again, David. David Miles, Pastor David Miles. Rosie B. is the team for Monday Afternoon Mix. After a short break, Todd Mullican is going to join me for the hour. We're going to talk about how to increase forgiveness and release resentments, how to build a healthy attachment, how to maintain healthy boundaries during the holidays and beyond. That's all coming up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.